Hey everybody, it is episode 113 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is Chris coming at you now from Austin, Texas, but I actually did my interview this week for this episode in Boulder, Colorado. Had the privilege and opportunity to, to go to Boulder and actually interview Kara Goucher in person. Also interviewed her husband, Adam Goucher, in person. I'll talk a little bit more about that f- for a different episode, but we had Kara on for this episode with one of my runners, Gene Rigotti, who also happened to be a listener who was on episode 38. So Kara was on episode 31. Gene was on episode 38. And for this episode, I brought them together because basically I wanted to see Kara as a coach in action. She has the book out called Strong, A Runner's Guide to boosting confidence and becoming the best version of you and that book is basically all about how to start a confidence journal but also includes a bunch of mental tips for becoming more confident as a runner dealing with failure doing dealing with the challenges of this pursuit that we're all on and so I was talking to Jean about how she was using Kara's book and some of the some of the tools in there to help her own running. And that sparked this idea of, hey, what if I could get Kara and Jean together to have Kara put her coach hat on and coach Jean up on some things she's been working through as an athlete and also coach all of us on some big questions that we all have as runners, particularly on the mental challenges of the sport. And so I posted on our internal rogue groups to our athletes to also ask some other questions of things that they deal with from a mental standpoint. And so I bring those questions to Kara as well in this interview. So this is definitely not a traditional interview of Kara, although she does talk about some of her personal experiences in it, including her recent DNF at the Houston Marathon. But it's all in a way to relate to the challenges that Jean's facing as well as the challenges that we all face as athletes. So it's a super powerful interview. I... I honestly spend a lot of the time as a fly on the wall just listening to Kara and Jean talk, which was really, really inspiring for me to see. And Kara is so generous with her time and well uh, as well as her willingness to just be herself that this is really, really an amazing discussion. So I hope you enjoy it. Before we jump into the interview, I've got a couple of current event things I wanted to update you on. First of all, we had... Now, last this past weekend, the Milrose Games, indoor games. We've also got the U.S. indoors coming up. And the Milrose, Milrose Games had some fireworks from a race standpoint, so I would definitely encourage you to check that out. You can still rewatch it if you have an NBC Sports Gold account. And I've actually gone back myself and rewatched the races on there. But a couple of big things happened. I wanted to highlight, one, the American records both – for men and women, fell. Ajay Wilson ran a 158.6 to break a 17-year-old record for the indoor 800 for American women. That record was previously held by Nicole Teeter. And Ajay broke it. It's three seconds off her outdoor PR, but an indoor PR and an American record. So that's huge. Obviously, Ajay is somebody that, that is a huge that is a huge influence in U.S. running and somebody to look out for on the world stage as well. Interestingly, this week, 
Castro Semenya is starting to go through some of the hearings to determine whether or not the rules around testosterone levels will actually be applied at the IAAF level. So we should know relatively soon whether or not Castro Semenya and other intersex athletes will be a factor for this year's outdoor season and for this year's world championships. But either way, Ajay stands to be a threat for the podium regardless. And if for whatever reason, those rule changes caused Castro Semenya to have to either be on hormone therapy or not race, then I think Ajay Wilson would be your favorite. That time of 158 was also a world lead so far this year. And she just keeps, keeps doing it. If you're not a fan of Ajay, then watch some 800s. On the men's side, Donovan Brazier actually broke the 27-year-old men's 800 record for the U.S., held previously by Johnny Gray. He ran a 144. Donovan Brazier did a 144.41 to break that record by about a half a second. So huge result for him. Interestingly, Donovan Brazier, as we know, also just recently joined the Oregon Project after really sort of disappearing all of last summer. Interestingly, last year in indoors, he narrowly missed the indoor U.S. record because he pulled up at the line in a race when instead of running all the way through. So he almost got the U.S. record last year, actually got it this year now. And I had predicted that he would get the outdoor record last summer, which didn't happen because he didn't really race. But it'll be so it'll be interesting to see if this is just a stepping stone for him to go after that outdoor record. He's a young guy, 21 years old, still still probably has significant potential to to go after. And now training with Pete Julian and Alberto Salazar and the Oregon Project crew, you have to assume that he'll be able to go after that potential. So we'll see what happens with Donovan Brazier. But as the Oregon Project lost Matthew Sensowitz. They picked up somebody in Donovan Brazier who will definitely be making waves. So congrats to Ajay and Donovan on those new American records in the 800 for indoors. And then the other races to talk about are the, the two mile races we had in the women's race. The My episode 109 guests, Colleen Quigley and Kate Gray's teammates from the Bowman Track Club, they got second and third. And Colleen got a, actually a personal best for second and 422, but they were absolutely destroyed by Constance Klosterhalfen, who is also now training with the Oregon Project. She ran a 419 to, I believe, record a top 10 all-time time for women for the indoor mile. And she just took off from the gun. It was never really in question. She had about a three-second lead at the midway point, finished with about a three-second lead at the end so stayed strong throughout and got the win and then on the men's side Yomif Kachelka ran a 348 but to narrowly miss the indoor mile world record by 0.01 by one one hundredth of a second held by Hicham El Garouge Yomif is another Oregon Project athlete who almost got the mile indoor world record he was followed up by King Chez in 3.53, and another Oregon Project athlete, Clayton Murphy, also in 3.53. And so two things there. One, got to congratulate Colleen and Kate getting 2-3 from the Bowman Track Club. 
and Colleen for getting a personal best. Definitely bodes well for her as she heads back to the steeple at some point for outdoors. And for Kate, I think this one is a good sign, even though last year she got second to Colleen. This year she got third. She ran a faster time this year and, in my opinion, looks strong throughout. After Constance took the race early, Kate Grace did her best to try to keep it as close as possible, leading that chase pack until Colleen came around her. And so she she kept the race at least within striking distance, even though Constance would never falter. And Colleen would come around Kate later. I do think Kate still had a really good race, almost an equivalent race to Colleen's because Kate did much more work trying to close that gap to Constance, which would not be closed. But she just looked stronger, more in control, more confident. And I think another six months of work with her coach, Jerry Schumacher, in the Bowerman Track Club is, has given her confidence going into this year. And she seems to be kind of back to a place where she's building again, which is nice to see. And so I would expect good things from Kate Grace coming this year and certainly good things from Colleen Quigley as she heads to the 3,000-meter race with the hurdles. Her speed is in a really good spot. Both of those two athletes, Kate and Colleen, will be running indoor, the indoor mile, and I would assume would be racing their teammate Shelby Houlihan. So you've got to look for coming up in the indoor mile for USA's. You've got to think that those three athletes would probably be your favorites to go one, two, three, depending on what Jenny Simpson decides to do for an indoor mile. But but traditionally, Jenny hasn't raced that, or at least hasn't recently. So we'll see what happens with USA Indoors. But you got to like a potential Bowerman Track Club finish. As for Constance Kolsterhalfen, I don't know. I don't really know enough about her as an athlete. It does give me a little bit of pause to see anyone wearing an Oregon Project singlet, which, you know, which still for me means I can't necessarily cheer for them with with all of my heart because of the cloud of of uncertainty hanging over Salazar and Julian and that group. And so, I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how Klosterhofen does. She uh, actually raced in the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix as well, but at the 5K distance and absolutely, and she won that as well, absolutely slaughtering Jenny Simpson in that race by a significant margin to run 15-15 in the 5k recently so we'll see but she's definitely one to watch and it's going to be a threat on the world stage at both the the mile and the 5k distance as we head towards outdoors or 1500 and 5k distance as we head toward outdoors and then as far as Yomif Kachelka Oregon Project athlete missing the record by 0.01 basically ran the whole race essentially by himself to narrowly Missed that world record from an athlete, Hicham Algarouge, who I don't personally have a lot of confidence in. And so for that one, it's just hard for me to honestly get excited about it. It's obviously an amazing feat, but I don't know yet enough about Kachelka to believe in him as an athlete. And again, that Oregon Project singlet gives me a little bit of pause and doubt. So I'm not sure. But apparently he's going to be turning around and going for that record again at some point. So I would encourage everybody to watch to see if that goes down. And we will see. You know, I think behind him with King Chaz getting second, that bodes well for him. 
and for Clayton Murphy getting third. I think those 353 times are really solid as well, especially this early in the year. So it'll be interesting to see what that means for those two athletes as they progress and what King Chaz is going to do. There's been some rumor because he's kind of without a country, as we've talked about. There's been some rumor that he might run World Cross unattached. I don't even know how that works or how that's possible. But that would certainly be interesting. And then it'll be interesting to see how he handles the outdoor season without the ability to go race Worlds this year. So we shall see. But those are a couple races to go check out if you've got an NBC Sports Gold pass you can go watch the the races there on replay and then of course be on the lookout for u.s indoor champs which is coming up soon in in new york area it's on staten island and of course we aren't that far really from getting to outdoors so there you go those are some current events another thing i wanted to point you to from a current event standpoint and i'm going to put the link to this in the show notes but kate grace released a blog this week on race weight, which is basically her perspective on how thinking about weight has evolved through the years and how she had some dangerous habits earlier in her career, thinking about getting to race weight and how she's come to a much healthier perspective on that. I think it's a super powerful blog that helps us put in perspective how we should be thinking about weight as not necessarily an end goal, but as a byproduct of hard training and feeding your body the right way. So I'll post that in the show notes. I would encourage you to check it out. And of course, go follow at FastKate on Instagram where she posts these things. If you want to, and if you haven't already listened to that episode, episode 109 with Kate Grace, I would definitely go check it out. All right. So now we're going to turn to our interview with with Kara and Colleen. Again, if you'd like to learn more about these two, of course, you can check out episode 31 with Kara Goucher. Previously, when I had Kara Adam and her agent, Shanna, Shanna Burnett, on. And then you can also hear and get and learn more about Gene on episode 38, where we were letting Gene and Ardith in that episode ask Steve and I questions. And so let's turn to our discussion with Gene and Kara. All right, we're welcoming Kara Goucher to the show with Gene Rigotti here. As we mentioned in the interview, Kara's going to help coach us up today, including Gene and maybe me, as well as our other athletes. I'm excited to be back with you, Kara. Thanks for having us here. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for coming out to Boulder to chat with me. <laughs> pretty cool, pretty cool. So before we jump into topic i've got a little bit of an icebreaker question i feel like we had a little bit of breaking news over the weekend on twitter and i feel like we've got to cover it it's my duty as a fan of the sport because i also follow you on twitter chrissy teigen posed the question <laughs> what is the most embarrassed you what is the most embarrassed you've ever been and kara goucher writes back with all the world <laughs> to read my boyfriend, now husband, had visited and slept at my mom's for the first time. <laughs> we left and my sister called in hysterics. Her dog had gotten into the garbage and my mom pulled a used condom <laughs> out of the dog's mouth. Just kill me. Uh, I mean, you I shared like that with the entire world. So <laughs> I feel obligated to ask what what how did that go down? What? Are you still traumatized? I'm still traumatized. My mom and I never speak of it. My <laughs> sister likes to bring it up. It just says like a dig and it's just 
It was so horrible. Like we came to visit. Adam and I were dating. Um, my mom put us in separate bedrooms at her <laughs> house. <laughs> she put me in my childhood bedroom. Wishful and, thinking. Yeah, and Adam in the bedroom next to my childhood bedroom. And we just like right away took the mattress off and we put the mattresses on the floor. Just like we're setting a tone, you know, like we're serious about each other. Um, <laughs> we were probably there for like four or five days. It was right after he had made the Olympic team and we had driven out. So we're in the car driving back and my sister calls Adam's cell phone and she's like laugh crying. She's like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm like, what, what? And she's like, Gracie got into the garbage. And I'm like, so? And she's like, and mom went up and was like, what do you have there? And it was one of your condoms. And I was like, ah! <laughs> like I just wanted to oh die. Goodness. And Adam was like, we can never go back there. And like my mom and I cannot talk about it still. I mean, it's just like so horrifying and... I can't believe I actually tweeted that because I just really love Chrissy Teigen. I wanted her to pay attention to me, <laughs> well, <laughs> but she didn't. <laughs> well, she didn't respond to that I saw, but you seem to have won the thread. <laughs> oh, good. With great. That, with that one. Oh, it's so, so horrible. So there you go. And that's one thing I've always appreciated about you, Kara, is your willingness <laughs> to just be yourself. Let it all oh, hang good. out. Oh, so yeah. It's do, all out doing there. Doing it again via Twitter. <laughs> so thank you for that. And thank you for humoring me to talk about it here. Great. Now we're going to turn to talking about Gene and get more serious here. Sort of a weird segue, Gene. But but first I wanted to talk, as I mentioned, the reason this whole episode came about was because I was talking with Gene after she just raced at CIM. We had a big goal for her to PR there. The race did not go as we had hoped. In fact, it went quite terribly. And she and I were debriefing after our race, and she said she was using your book, Strong, to really help work through that failure and so it's so we talked a little bit about that pulled some of the insights from it and it gave me the idea to have this episode of basically what if i reach out to shanna Kara's agent <laughs> and if she's willing to help coach you through this experience as well as of course i've got questions from other athletes in our group but i really want to make this about you imparting your wisdom as somebody who's been through all of these mental challenges that we faced and put your coaching hat on for a little bit so gene i want to start with you and just simply ask to give us a little background on CIM, the experience, what you what it was like building up to it, and how things went on that day. Okay. So um, leading into CIM, I, I made the decision within our training community to switch to Team Rogue, which was is the, the harder, the higher level. A little level, more advanced group. More advanced group. I had worked for a whole year getting myself ready for that move i got into my head that i was going to do it i increased my mileage i put more intensity in just to be ready for team rogue so i started the training um the summer was a speed development track that was really hard i'd never like tried to hit those paces before um but i had some successes you know some setbacks some successes i was feeling really good about it um but in August, I, I kept having this kind of recurring injury where, and I've had it for years, and it was just um, holding me back. I would get this, these kind of nerve issues. It would, like, pain would seize, my leg would seize up, and then I'd have to stop running. It wouldn't, it, and it would go away. It wasn't something that was, like, stopping me completely. It would happen, and then I would rest, and then it would go away, and I could finish my workout. So I was going through that and then I got diagnosed and I was doing PT, but I kept 
on the track for this goal and you know doing more mileage than I've ever done doing these hard workouts during our long runs and I think the training went well you yeah. know and you're, you're my coach you were there yeah. I mean there were workouts where I was like hitting everything and you know there were other workouts that I struggled but I came to the end of this of you know up to CIM thinking I've got this I've got this I'm strong I've never done this much mileage I've never done this much work you know and I think one of the things also that was in my head is like this is my last chance to do this you know I'm not getting any younger I putting in this much work and effort is really really difficult I need to do it now and I went into the race thinking I could do it and I didn't. I mean, it was total, total, total failure. And I don't even know what happened. I started out and I was, my goal, like I was gonna run, you know, hit my pace early, like, and stick with the pace group and just run and try to ease into that. And it worked for like 10 miles and then it just kind of fell apart. And I, my body just would not respond. And I, it was devastating. And the worst part of it, was that 200 of my teammates were there and I had to watch so many of them pass me and it was just so hard you know and you know some of them would say encouraging things and it was it was nice that they said those things some of them kind of avoided me one of my friends said oh I saw you and I knew you were in pain and so I ran on the other side of the road which was also nice you know <laughs> she was trying to <laughs> she help was trying in her to way. help in her way and it just it was such a struggle and i was so devastated at the end i mean i can't even tell you like i i i i don't know how i finished that race to be honest because as it went on things got worse you know so my legs were dead and then my ankle started hurting and then my legs started collapsing and i was like what am i doing here i should just stop i should just dnf you know what what am I trying to prove? But I talked to my son. My cousin was at the finish line, so I was like, I can't. She'll like, she'll freak out. She'll get worried. You know, I kept having in my head that I had to make it so that, you know, I, I, she would see me. And you know, I couldn't quit. I'm not really a quitter. Mm -hmm. uh, like I I entertain those thoughts, but I know I would never have quit it. You know, in the end, I just kept going. But it. I was devastated and I had nothing like I I tried to think about like the confidence journal and kind of trying to get something good out of that race and I really had nothing and what made it worse is like and I hate to say this because I was happy for all of my friends but so many of them PR'd you know and so many of them had great days and there were others that had bad days too I and mean, it wasn't the only one but it just made everything so much harder, you know? And I just could not deal with it. And well, right away, I just wanna say, I can think of something so easy that could have gone in your confidence journal, which is that you finished. When things go bad at 10 miles and you're in a suffer fest, like it sounds like you were, and like everything is just spiraling, spiraling around you going bad, like, people are passing you and the fact that you kept going just shows that you're dedicated to it and I think that's actually a really good sign that you finished so I just would like 
would like to credit you with that because most people would be like, this is not what I trained for. This is not what I worked so hard for. This is clearly not going the way I, I wanted it to go or no, I'm capable of having it going. And why am I going to torture myself doing this? I'm going to shut it down and try another day. So the fact that you push through it, to me, says a lot about your dedication to everything that you're doing. Also, the fact that you're here, <laughs> <laughs> that you're here still on the journey. You know, I expected when I talked to Jean the first time afterwards, because she kind of avoided me for a little bit. I think she needed to get away. She did. I, I expected her to be in this completely devastated place. And obviously you were hurt, Jean. And it was something that I know has been hard for you to get through. But at the same time, you were starting to already, when we talked that first time, put the tools in place to come back to a better place, to put it behind you. And so that attitude at the end, even in the midst of your devastation, the fact that you were going to keep working and not give up, not just in that race, but also not give up holistically towards the goal is also huge. Because that's hard to do too. keep going. It is hard. And I can see that it still hurts you. Yes. And I think that's. I think that sometimes we say, like, I just need to get over it. I just need to move on. You know, finishing fourth at the Olympic trials in 2016, it still brings tears to my eyes. It still hurts. And that's okay, right? Like, we don't have to just, like, brush it aside. Part of the reason it hurts is because you're willing to be vulnerable to get there. And that is how you get there. But that means that there are going to be times where it doesn't go your way. And it hurts more than just like a bad workout, obviously, right? It's something that like really lingers and really stings and is really confusing of yeah. why this would happen. So I can see that you're still feeling that. But I just want to say like, that's okay. I think growing up, one of the best things my mom ever did when I'd have a bad race, she would like let me be sad about it. She wouldn't be like, turn it around. There's another race. You know, she would be like take a day be sad like you worked so hard for that and you didn't get it. it's kind of like a dream dies yeah and it's okay to be like it's like grief <laughs> and it's okay to be like I can't believe that happened I'm so upset and I want to be happy for my friends but I just I can't feel it right now that's okay and then there comes a point where you put something you finally kind of start to come out of it and you get a new goal and you set it on the horizon that's what would always help me crawl out of it but that doesn't mean that it's not like a lasting imprint on you. Yeah. 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 I mean, one of the worst, worst things about this is like my best friend, one of my best friends had a good day and I couldn't express my, you know, joy for her. Like I was felt really good for her and I knew she worked really hard and I just had nothing for her. And that hurt me. And it was just really terrible. But that's, but that's you're human and we all have points where we're a good friend and we're not as good a friend and when we're suffering and someone else isn't suffering and maybe you weren't there for her in that moment but that doesn't mean you weren't there for her all the way up until that moment and afterwards and like that kind of stuff you have to forgive yourself for because we've not when we when things don't go our way None of us are great. I mean, like, go back and look at some of my footage from after the Olympic trials. <laughs> it's not the most flattering portrayal of myself, you know? So it's like, those are just, I mean, those are real feelings and real emotions. And so we don't necessarily, aren't the prettiest versions of ourselves when things, when we lose a dream like that. So I would say forgive yourself for that, for sure. I'm sure you've been a friend since, and I'm sure you'll continue to be a friend. Yeah, we've kind of gotten over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was hard. It was really hard. And I couldn't even 
talk to her. Like, it wasn't like her. I couldn't talk to anybody. Right. And I think she took it more personally because, you know, we we talk about this stuff. We talk about it all the time. And after that race, I, like, shut down social media. I couldn't talk to anybody. Like, I cried on somebody's shoulder, like Tim, another of our athletes. And, you know, that was it. That was, like, the one thing. And then I was, like, out of there. I went to my cousin's house. We went to Napa. I didn't want to I didn't want to see anybody or talk to anybody and that made the whole situation worse between us but we've we've since healed that wound but I think you know it's it's people people process things in different ways and I was surprised by my reaction too because I I just I've never had this kind of it's never hurt this bad you know this was just a really really bad experience Mm -hmm. and I wasn't expecting to feel this way after the race and it was just really hard to deal with you can't fault yourself for those feelings though no it is hard though after a bad experience like that and I'm sure it was similar for you Kara at the trials where you finished fourth which I'm sure in your mind didn't matter because might as well Fourth could have been 100. Yeah, it could have yeah. been 150th, right? Because that would be the same outcome, and people are still probably encouraging you. They're like, "Kara, that's still a great race. You ran amazing," and I'm sure you got some of that too. Like, you still qualified for Boston, which she did. Congratulations! <laughs> but, Thank you. <laughs> but it's so hard to hear those things, and really, you don't want to because you do need to grieve and process it in your own way, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was that whole stupid Boston qualifier bell there. <laughs> and like, you know, <laughs> and not to take anything away from people who ran and rang the bell and had that experience and that, you know, awesome for them. But that's not why I was there. And it was just it it made it again. It made it worse. And it just, you know, it wasn't my thing for that race. And I'm sure when I go to Boston, in, you know, in 2020, I'll feel differently. But Yeah. It just wasn't what I wanted. How do you deal with those moments, proce- the processing moments where you've got to have the day or three days yeah. to just yeah. to just feel the emotion, but it's hard when everybody else is coming at you with different things. Yeah, you know, I've had races that were really disappointing. Um, comes to mind, like the Olympics in 2008, just so disappointing, and I, it was just crying, right? I could not hold it together. I was just sobbing. I feel like fast forward to 2016, I tried, I was really upset right after. And then I tried to like put on a happy face and I was like, we still have the track trials. It's going to be great. I'm going to make that Olympic team. And then I got hurt and had to have surgery. And then it was like kind of this thing I had tried to like push away, like keep in the drawer. And then it was like months later that I was like, I am depressed. I never really dealt with this. I just kind of like tried to shove it away. So I think it is really important to deal with it because that was something that was holding me back as a human, as a mom, as a friend, as a, as a wife, because I just had tried to like push it aside and say, I can't go there. I can't feel that right now because I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's going to hurt. And I just want to like kind of push it aside, push it aside. And it wasn't until honestly that fall. So almost like six months later that I was like, I am depressed. And I mean, this is crazy. I should have dealt with it so long ago. So I actually think it's, Everyone processes things differently. And sometimes you don't know that things bother you until later. But I do think it's better to just kind of like 
feel it right away rather than having it be this lingering darkness that's going to pop up some other time. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I have, I do have trouble letting go of things and, you know, you really, you kind of relive the moments Mm -hmm. and it's easy to go into that place where you're reliving all the bad things. And like after this happened, after the race, I was thinking of all the workouts that didn't go well, you know, Mm. and I'm thinking, you know, I should have known better. I had this really shitty workout and, you know, that should have told me that I wasn't ready for this. And, you know, you start like second guessing Mm -hmm. everything. Oh, yeah. And doubting yourself. And why did I even dream this big? And that's not the person I want to be. Right. Like I want to be this person who does dream big. But I think that's normal, right? Like that's that's totally normal. In 2009, I thought I could win the Boston Marathon. Like I thought I was going to deliver this massive win for all the people who believed in me and it didn't happen. And I was just like, what the, so we are explicit. Devastated. (laughs) I was just like so devastated. And I did exactly what you're talking about. I mean, I remember sitting with my coach and being like, am I as good as you say I am? And him being like, well, I don't know. And then we're like, what, you know, it was just like so awful. But in the end, it was like, no, this is crazy. Like, there's a reason I allowed myself to dream this big. There's a reason you believed you were capable of hitting that mark. It's because even though you had bad days, you had good days. And you can't fake the good days, right? Every once in a while, you hit like a great day and you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm fitter than I think. But in general, those days you earn. Yeah. And when you've earned a bunch over time, that's how you know you're ready to do something. And so I, I think it's normal afterwards to think like, thinking back to Boston, I second guessed every little move I made in that race. Like I second guessed my everything, like the clothes I wore, the moves I made, what I drank, everything. But in the end, I was, I had to forgive myself because I was making all the best decisions in every moment based on the data around me. And that's all you can do. And you had a bad day. That's the other thing that people don't want to (laughs) hear. But sometimes we just have a bad day. And that's when we have our crappy workouts that we're able to be like, oh, God, that was ugly. And sometimes it happens when your uni's on and you've rested and everyone's watching. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's it's hard as a coach, too, to see that because I know she had a good season. I know she was ready. And we always want to have perfect explanations for why things didn't go well as an athlete or as a coach and I'm sitting here beating myself up. What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did I give her the wrong workouts? <laughs> it's was, your fault. Did I, did, I, did I make her believe in something that wasn't possible? Right. And I go through the same things as a coach with every athlete that doesn't get there. And sometimes, as you said, you just have bad days and there are no explanations. And I think for you, for whatever reason, that was one of those days where they're yeah. just, we, there's no way to know what went wrong that day. And so we can't, linger on it other than dealing with the morning process as we talked about can i just say that like i never had in my head that i wanted to have another pr until you put that seed in my head and it was like right after we had done that first podcast that we did with with ardith and you know even if i don't ever get it i have to thank you for that because i've pushed myself so much harder than I thought I was capable of. And that has benefited me like so much in so many different ways. Well, you're welcome for that. It's easy. Yeah, so you're- It's easy with an athlete like you who's willing to do the work, who's willing to do the hard work, physical and mental. 
and it's it's hard when you see somebody like that who's doing everything right not get what they want and so it's hard for me too I want to talk about failure for a second you you mentioned still getting emotional about the trials in 2016 somebody asked me to ask you what your the first failure you can remember was and I'm curious about that because I just want to know is it every failure that you still hold on to or is it just some of them you know, I failed so many more times than I succeeded in the sport. There's certain ones I can think of that stung especially bad. I mean, right away, the first time I really, really, really stung was my freshman year in high school. I was expected to win the state cross-country meet, and I faltered big time. I was so nervous that I didn't eat the night before. I didn't drink that morning, and um, I just gave in to the pressure, and I staggered in, and maybe fifth or sixth, I don't even remember. Um and I just felt like, oh, this is what failure feels like, <laughs> you know. Um, but there's been so many of those along the way, like just so many. If I really think about it, there's been like one massive failure like every year that hurts and is, I mean, some hurt more than others. Boston, the trials, you know, those hurt more than remembering my freshman self for <laughs> sure. But, you know, I think one thing that I've learned is that, and this took a long time to learn, but that's failure is part of the process. And it's so cheesy and so cliche, but that is when you learn what you really want and what, where you're really willing to go for it. And it's just, sure, it'd be great if every time you set a goal and every time you worked hard, it paid off. It's just like not the way it works out. And so it has just been a part of the process and it does make those days when everything comes together just so much sweeter and so much more enjoyable and so much, you just appreciate it so much more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I remember failing early and it never has felt good. I've never been good at it. I've never been like, Oh, whatever. Everyone was watching. I totally messed up. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Oh my God, get me out of here. I'm going to ball my eyes out. You know? <laughs> um, but I think my mom was always really good at letting me do that. So I think I always just kind of did that. I always kind of just like pouted a little and cried and like got it out of my system. Which is important. Yeah, it's important. Well, that's the thing is it's not like you're you're asking yourself to go run a mile. You know, you trained for months, it sounds like. You stretched yourself in ways you never had before. And you put all of this into this one moment, this one race so it's not just like, and it's not like a mile where you're like, oh, that was a bad day. Oh, something's off. I'll do it again in 10 days. It's, it's just not like that. That's one of the things that I love slash hate about the marathon mm. is that so much goes into it and there are zero guarantees. And so there's so much beauty in that and so much like just belief you have to have in your process and in yourself. And there's also just like sadness in that because when you don't get what you want or you don't hit the time that you know you are capable of, you can't just turn around and oh, I'll just try again tomorrow. It's just not how it works. And yeah. so there's something about that that I think is really beautiful. Like we are really vulnerable wanting this and putting so much into this one moment, this one day that we can only have a few of two or three of a year. Yeah. One of the things that I've tried to do like now that I'm trading for another marathon <laughs> <laughs> in two months um, has like detach myself from my goal a mm -hmm. little bit like not not let go of the goal like the goal is still there but 
the goal doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. Like trying to be more focused on the process. Yes. And and focused on, you know, what 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 I'm doing, you know, in the moment and not what what I want to do two months from now. Yeah. I think we can spiral when we're comparing ourselves to others or we're thinking too far in the future or we keep looking back at who we used to be. I just trained for a marathon and I knew I was going to be nowhere near my PR. And at first that was like, I was like, why am I doing this? But I just really wanted to do it for myself and to prove to myself that I could do it, that I could put in the miles and I could do this again. And I really just focused on just what you said, focus on the process, on every week building more miles, on staying healthy, on dipping my toe back into workouts that I hadn't done in years. And it was amazing. You know, and I knew going in, best case scenario, best case, I was going to be 10 minutes off my PR, but on the perfect day for me. And I was okay with that because I was more focused on achieving this completion for myself. And I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't finish. Yeah. It's my only DNF of my life. I felt Um, so bad for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. You know what? It was really frustrating and I cried a lot that first day. But usually after a race like that, I can't sleep at night because I'm like questioning everything. Um, But like I couldn't walk. And so I knew that there was no choice to be made. And so in a weird way that that helped. Like I slept that night. I woke up the next day still annoyed, but like. I mean, I had to work through it, but it wasn't like some of the other ones where you're like, I don't know what happened and I'm so frustrated and I'm rethinking every little thing that I did. It was just like, yeah, I mean, my body went and that was that, period. So anyway, I digress because <laughs> I would have really have loved to have finished that. But it's more of just like, I think sometimes when we get obsessed with placing here or qualifying for this or running this time, we start to lose the love of like, well, why do I even do this in the first place? Like, what got me into this? What is it that I feel when I'm out there that I even want to be doing this? Because right now I'm just like staring at my watch every mile, kicking myself because I'm not going faster, you know? So sometimes we have to let go of, not like, oh, who cares? I'm just going to run whatever. But let's kind of put that as secondary to enjoying the process and seeing my own progress week after week and month after month. And then it becomes more fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something that I'm trying to focus on. I mean, it's hard because... You know, we're, you know, you're in a, you're in a team, you see the other people, we train together and it's hard to like, let go of that comparison. And what, what's really hard is to let go of your younger self, mm-hmm. you know, I mean that, cause you know, I mean, I, my PR that I'm trying to best was seven years ago and that's a long time mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and uh, and not like sometimes I just, you know, pat myself on the back for even trying, for yeah. even thinking that I could do it, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, but other times it's like, why the hell is it taking me so long to recover? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I used to be able to do all these and get up the next day and do it again. And it's not the same. No. And just <laughs> accepting not, that, you know, <laughs> accepting that and saying, okay, I have to change it up a little bit. It's not going to be the same. It, it's going to be different, but it doesn't mean that I can't still do it. Right. Aging has been really hard for me because I see everybody running and I'm like, well, I could do that. I mean, give me that equipment, whatever. I can do that. <laughs> but then I go out and I'm like, oh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My body actually can't do that anymore. It just like won't run that fast. And 
I went through a period of like, is it even worth, is it worth putting on a bib anymore? Because I'm not who I used to be and I'm never going to be who I used to be. Like, is it even worth, because I, I, people are going to pay attention and is it even worth it? And it took me like over a year before I was like, you know what? I want to go out there and race and I have to be okay with whatever it is because it's, I can't help it. I know I'm working hard. I think it's worth it to us to see you there too. I mean, you have to say, I know, I know it's a personal thing, but it's like as your fan and as somebody who really admires you, it meant so much to me that you actually went out and did that. You know, even though it, you didn't finish or whatever happened, that wasn't important. The important thing is like you went out and did something for yourself and just showed everybody that you were willing to do that. Thank you. No, I mean, I I loved training for it and I enjoyed it so much and it really taught me. I mean, I I would have loved to have just like finished the race and run (laughs) whatever I was going to run, 238 or 239. I would be so much happier sitting here right now. Um, But it did show me that I can find joy in it, even though I'm not the person I used to be, but I still find so much joy in that process. And you know, going out and doing long runs and running hard and feeling feeling sick because you're running so hard. I still liked it, even though the result wasn't going to be what it would have been 10 years ago or even four years ago. It just still, I don't know. I was like, yeah, I do. I love this. I love pushing myself in this way. And so I'm glad that I got to that place, but it took a long time to get there. So where do you sit now, Jean? What do you mean? Prepping for Boston, <laughs> getting getting through this agonizing failure at CIM. How are you doing? Uh, well, I think I'm doing a little bit better. You know, I've I'm actually like using more of the techniques um, that you talk about in the book. I've been more because I I only got the book like a month before CIM. So it was to me, it was like not enough time. Mm-hmm. And now I've been like more consistent in writing my confidence journal. It's right here. Oh, and good. I like I, I try to find the better things like and 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 it's hard sometimes. It feels corny. You know? It does. <laughs> there are days where you're just like, this is dumb. I don't want to do it. Yeah. But the cool thing is when you before your next race in a couple months, when you bring that with you, when you flip through it. And you see that every day, even when, a, when it was a corny one, you found something positive about the day. And there's something about like not your coach telling you that, <laughs> you telling you that. It, there's something powerful in your own words. So I just like say, keep powering through. I mean, I have some journal entries that are just dumb. <laughs> you know, like I'm obviously desperate to just put something in there. Yeah. Um, like I showed up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah That's some of some days. It's yes. just like, okay, I showed up. But you know what? Those <laughs> yeah. become fewer and fewer in between just like the bad workouts. Right. And so what you're left with is like, yeah, you're going to have some cheesy corny ones where you're obviously just desperate to write something down, but it, but you're going to learn a lot more about yourself and what you appreciate about yourself. And when you're like, oh my gosh, I'm nervous. My last race didn't go well. Am I ready? <laughs> like, am I just dreaming too big? You're going to be able to flip through that and be like, No. I'm here. I'm ready. Look at all these things about myself. I showed up all of these days, even on the bad days, I showed up. And now I get to go show myself what I'm capable of doing. Yeah. Yeah. And what the other thing I, I've been trying to do is um, change the narrative in my head. Like, I feel like during the training season leading up to CIM, there were just 
you know, with this injury that I've been dealing with, it just sometimes I would get so negative. Mm-hmm. I remember this one workout and it always like it's the Canova case <laughs> and I just always fail at that workout. And I remember coming back to the water stop at one point and I just like threw, I had a water bottle and I just like threw it and everybody just like stood back and <laughs> stared at me. And I was like, I was just so angry. Like, why the hell won't my body just work? You know? Yeah. And, and I'm just now I've like, I have obviously have my little group of, of people that I train with inside the team and I'm just trying to like, be positive all the time and when when we start talking about negative things even like oh complaining about the weather it's like no mm-hmm. <laughs> i want everything to be positive and i'm shutting down trying to shut down anyway all of the negative chatter yeah you know just reframe it re reframe the narrative right so you hate those canova k's yes. they suck for you but you yes. know what <laughs> they're obviously working a weak link for you so every time you do those, that weak link is getting like shorter and shorter and it's going to close up. Like it's it's easier to tell someone else to do all this stuff. Like I don't want you to think that I'm just like amazing. Like I didn't have like a m- million mental breakdowns in this marathon prep that I did because I did. I was like, what am I doing? I'm fooling myself. I can't do this anymore. You know, I have I have workouts just like that that I really, really dread. I really, really dread like mile repeats and stuff now because they're just so much harder and I'm so much slower than I used to be. So I just like dread doing it because it's just like a reminder. Oh, hey, you're dying out here for eight by a mile and you're 20 seconds slower than you were four years ago. You know, <laughs> So it's like I get it. But then I always try to tell myself, you know, this is obviously a battle for me. And I don't know why it's a battle. I don't know if it's mental or physical, but like. I need to do this. I have to kind of face my fears and just do it because this is holding me back. And, you know, that's not a good workout for me, but I get through it. And it makes me feel a good sense of accomplishment when I finish it, even though it's not a glamorous day for me, because it's obviously something that I need to be working on. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to get through a Canova K workout <laughs> without throwing my water bottle. We'll be, we'll be there to throw the water bo- bottle at Joy. Yeah, Enjoy. exactly. Joy bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing others were asking about too is how to know the difference between mental fatigue and physical fatigue. It's that trade-off that you were talking about. Is this in my head or is it just that I'm not pushing my body hard enough? How do you play with that in your mind? Yeah, I think, you know, there's times where you have to kind of like gut check because sometimes our minds are so powerful and it will talk you out of something you're perfectly capable of if you let that negative chatter get too loud. I think it's something that comes with time and experience. Some days you're just having a bad day. It doesn't matter if how mentally tough you are, how much you want to gut it out. It's just not going to happen. I think a lot of times when I'm starting to fail, you know, or slow down in a workout, I kind of ask myself, like, what am I afraid of? Right now, what am I afraid of? Am I afraid that I'm not going to finish the workout? Like, is that causing me to slow down because I'm nervous? I don't want to blow up. So I kind of just try to check in with myself. Like, is this mental? Is there something I'm afraid of? Is there something that is holding me back right now? And sometimes it's, I'm like, yeah, I'm afraid that I'm going to blow up in three repeats. And, And then I have to tell myself, well, be in the moment right now. Maybe you don't make it to the next three, but make this one good. And sometimes I'm like, I'm not afraid of anything. I just feel like crap, you know? (laughs) So I think like kind of checking in with yourself and we all have things that make us anxious and fearful and they can definitely affect our running, but they won't always affect our running. Sometimes it is really just fatigue. And so being 
allowing yourself to kind of go there and like really questioning yourself, I think is important. One of the things I was talking recently with some athletes about was, <coughs> as you said, reframing that conversation instead of thinking about the what if negatives, think about the what if positives. We often like to think, what if it hurts too much? What if I fail? What if I can't hit the paces? What if others judge me for not doing it instead of flipping that conversation and saying, well, what if I nail it? Mm -hmm. What if it goes perfectly? What if I hurt, but then I fight through that pain and get it anyway. And, but that just takes practice. It does yeah. take practice. Consistent practice over the period for some time, for some people of years to get that dialogue reframed. I think that that's one thing that it's not something that you're just going to start to have a bad workout and you're going to be able to reframe your way out of it. It's something that you have to practice over and over and over and over again. Uh, just like most of these techniques in like the mental training space, can't just read about it and be like, oh yeah, I'm totally going to do that. It's going to be great. I can't wait. I'm going to think of that the next time I'm out there hurting. <laughs> you have to like make a commitment, remind yourself every day, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. Here's my word. Here's my mantra. Here's and over time, you are able to do that with your brain. But for me, it took it took years to get to that point. I mean, I was seeing sports psychologists for years before I finally gained control of my mind. And even then, I still had to keep seeing them because it was like a week for me. It's always been my Achilles heel. I had a lot of injuries problems, but I had so many more mental problems. And if I was like, hey, I'm doing great. I've had like two good months of training. Like, I'm just going to take a break. I don't want to drive out there on Monday and see my sports psychologist. Two weeks later, everything's crashing down. <laughs> so it's frustrating because I know that about myself, but I know that about myself. It's like people who do prehab exercises, which I also do for my hip. Like, if I don't do those, they take 10 minutes. I know they're stupid. How is this actually helping? But I know that if I don't do them, my knee's going to start hurting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's how like mental training is for me. And I think that's the one thing is like reading about it once is one thing, but like being dedicated to implementing it. So whether it's like putting it on a note in your shoes or writing it on your wrist and at some point it will click, but there's a lot of time in between where you're not going to think of reframing it. You're not going to be like, well, what is it that I'm afraid of right now? What is it that I'm fearing in the future? Like it's going to take a lot of time. What was my, what mantra word or what's my power word right now? You know, like <laughs> it's not going to automatically click. Yeah. You're going to have to practice just like anything else. Yeah. It seems like I sometimes get little glimmers of it where I'm in a workout and I'm I, I'm able to go to that mental place mm -hmm. where I can. And, and it's not even like a power word or anything. It's just kind of this. um image of myself or like feeling like like I'm within my body you know mm -hmm. what I mean like and then everything kind of just smooths out and you kind of detach yourself from your mind yeah and you're in your body mm -hmm. and I get a little glimmer of that and then it goes away <laughs> then the that's mind so good you know so maybe your thing is working on being in the moment it sounds like you kind of think ahead right like you're doing the case and you're you're kind of a victim and I am too a future think like uh you're thinking like 20 minutes ahead of time, like, oh, I'm going to suffer then. I never can get through this workout, blah, blah, blah. So maybe your thing right now should be just always trying to focus on being in the moment and not letting the brain just chatter away at you, just like being in this moment. You know what? Maybe I won't finish the Ks, but this one K, I'm going to nail it. And then I'm going to line up. And I'm going to start another one. I'm going to nail that one. I don't know if I can do any more after that, but I'm going to nail that one. And just like try not to future think and really just being present in the moment and doing what you're doing at that time. 
By the way, this workout, Kara, is insane. It's really <laughs> not written for them to finish it. I mean, it's... <laughs> it's ten, such a now he workout. tells us. It's, now he tells us. 10K Wait a minute. alternating between 10K, 10K, a K for 10K, a K at 10K pace, and a K at half marathon pace. I mean, it's it's an insane workout. And <laughs> so pa- oh, part of it is... It, it, I mean, people do finish it, but part of it is learning to suffer, learning that when you get to that moment when you're at a K for half marathon and you think you can't switch gears again, you can't. And you have to teach yourself that, yes, even though it hurts, even though I feel like I'm already on my edge, I can switch gears and make it. I've never had trouble learning and how so, to suffer. And so <laughs> I don't and, and need so to be taught that. <laughs> so some of it is then just managing that. Right. Sure. That, that, that process and dealing with the fatigue that comes as it, as it comes. Cause it's, I mean, this is pardoning your body for marathon work, essentially. But, but yeah, it's there's there's six there's this workout has success in so many forms. Sure. <laughs> if I'm being <laughs> honest as a coach. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so that's the secret. But I thought it was pretty straightforward about that point. <laughs> no, not really. I don't know. You guys might Maybe have to not, discuss that yeah, later. <laughs> we'll take that one offline as she yeah. <laughs> beats me over the head with her book about that. So. We talked about reframing within training. What about within a race? Is there anything you would do within a race when you go to a dark space? Yeah, I mean, there there are times where you're racing and um, you're not necessarily racing bad, but maybe you're not going to get that A goal that you had or that like, big dream that you had. And it's like that can just crush the whole experience. Um, but sometimes you can kind of pull together and still salvage like a decent – performance that is still a, a good solid performance and it might not be the one you want you know I don't I think it's dangerous when we start going oh I'm not going to get that so I'm just going to so now I'm just going to do this or I'm just going to do that like we still want to like fight for everything that we have but sometimes you have to let go of something to finish yeah right yeah so I think that definitely does happen I think of the Beijing Olympics in the 10,000 where there was just so much pressure that I could meddle and it was just gone. I mean, halfway through it was obvious it wasn't going to happen and I'm just running aimlessly and I wish I could go back because I would not have finished any higher, maybe one, maybe two places higher. That's it. But if I would have just like calmed the F down and been like, okay, so I'm not going to meddle, but you know what? I'm running PR. Okay. This isn't what I wanted, but I'm still going to salvage as much as I could get out. It can get out of it. I think I would have run faster. Um, maybe I only would have been one or two places fat, like fi- higher up on the list, but I would have walked away with the sense of like, okay, I got everything out of myself that I could in that moment. And instead I had to walk away being like, wow, I mean, I totally quit and jogged it in on the biggest stage of the world. Poop, I suck, you know? <laughs> and so I think it's important to be able to do those things. Like don't throw away opportunity. Maybe it's not the opportunity that you had dreamt of, but it's still an opportunity. Yeah. And when I ran Boston in 2017, it was a really hot year. And, you know, my goal just went out the window by like the first mile. I mean, it was, it was, I was in wave three and it was hot as hell. And <laughs> I don't think I've ever been through a day that was actually that. I mean, I don't think it was, you know, I've been through hotter races, but it, that one was just kind of really, I don't know. I had to put ice down my bra. I mean, it was yeah. just that crazy. And so, Coming towards the end, I just kept telling myself, I'm going to turn onto Boylston and I'm going to run as hard as I can to the finish line. And that was my race. And I did it. 
And I was so proud of that 800 meters or whatever it was that it just made up for the whole thing. Right. And sometimes there are things just like that that are out of your control. Just like Houston this year. It was so cold. People still ran fast. But it was like you can't control the fact that it's going to be 24 degrees with wind chill on the starting line, you know. So you and it's going to be super windy. You got to just let that go. And now what are you going to what are you going to get out of the day? Like a lot of people still ran fast. I was like, all right, well, I'm not definitely not going to run 235 because it's too windy. That's not going to happen. I needed a perfect day for that. But I'm I still I still could run 238 or 239 if I plan this right. You know, if I run conservative through 18 when the wind is really bad. And so sometimes you, you're you met with obstacles that you have no control over. And it doesn't mean you're like, oh, no, it sucks. I'm not going to run that time I wanted. Like everyone's in the same position as you. So what are you going to get out of it? And I think when you can do that, the lows aren't so low. Yeah. Because you start to realize like there are other opportunities. There's more. You can't always control everything. You can really only control you can only control the controllables. And so you start to become a little bit more even keeled and you start to become a little bit more like level in the head of what it is you're trying to accomplish in the days that you have. I was in the stands in 2008 watching that 10K. (laughs) It was an amazing day for Americans because Shalane got third, Mm -hmm. now upgraded to silver. But I remember the track was so crowded that in the stands you could barely tell who was what because... Mm -hmm. I don't know, there was like 40 women that lined up that day. It was insane. Yeah, it was a big field. And And then, of course, the leaders went out super fast and everything strung out. And I remember watching you kind of get stuck in no man's land, essentially, and just thinking, I don't know how you would stay connected <laughs> because it was because not only were you passing random people that weren't, you know, weren't that caliber of, of athlete, but also you, the field was so strung out that it was impossible to think that you could stay engaged. Of course, Shalane was able to and Mm -hmm. ultimately worked her way up. One of the questions I got a lot about from people was how, how can you be happy for your competitors? And you talk about it in your book, sort of being friends with your competitors and not, and focusing on you. Were you happy for Shalane that day? I was happy and extremely envious. Yeah. Um, I knew it was possible because I had done it a year before and the first same two women were first and second. So I knew it was like a dream that was realistic. I was very happy that it was an American that got third. I knew she had earned it. She had lined up and she had run so fast. I mean, I think she broke the American record. But at the same time, I wish it had been me. Um, I think when I... In my career, when I've been really obsessed with someone else, I run horrible. And when I say there's room for, there's many seats at this table, I run better. And so I've tried to sort of take that approach. And and it, honestly, it makes me happier. You know, seeing Shalane win New York, I know how hard she's worked. I trained with her. It needed to happen. Would I have loved to have been the woman to win New York? Uh, of course. Like, I would be in line if I was like, oh, I, I never even had that dream. So who cares? You know? <laughs> of course I had that dream. Same with Desi winning Boston. But them having these big moments doesn't diminish the moments that I had and the progress that I made for the sport, right? So I think you don't have to be buddy-buddy, but I think there is an importance in saying they're not evil because they beat me. They've worked and earn that and 
because I seen them work and do that now I know it's possible and I can do that so I don't I wouldn't say I'm like best friends with everyone I raced against but I felt a genuine happiness at times I felt 50% happiness 50% envy as I've gotten older I really don't feel envious of anything anymore I think that's just like getting older and realizing like (laughs) you can't do that anymore um but I think I was pretty lucky to have that mindset and I do think it helps because also then you just appreciate each other. You know, like, I don't know. It's like when you're just so jealous and you feel like there can only be one star, it actually holds you all back rather than all of these people coming forward and all of these people having a place at the table and just like pushing the sport forward. It's so much more powerful. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so inspiring for us watching it. You know, I mean, it's just been such an amazing time for American women. It's been running. insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, mean, so cool. Every time I think something can't be topped, it's top. Like yeah. Emma wins the world championship. Jenny wins another silver. Like Courtney breaks Emma's record. Desi wins boss. I mean, it's just like, it's just never ending. It's like every time I'm like, wow, I mean, how could we get better? Shelby, we do. Shelby yeah, runs Shelby crazy runs fast. 14, yeah. 30 something. And then comes back and wins cross. You know, right. it's just like, right. it's, it's, that it's there's a difference between being like oh man like I wish I could be a part of that and then being bitter about it right like I'm like oh man I wish I was 20 years younger now so I could be on this wave that's happening right now but it's so fulfilling and cool to watch and see so there's a difference between like the jealousy side of it and then and then the side of just being like yeah it'd be really cool to be 20 years younger and be running with those girls and you know moving things together but um it's just like it's a cool time. Yeah, it's so cool to watch. It's so cool to be like part of this sport and, you know, like connecting with somebody like you. I mean, I just never thought I never dreamed that stuff like that would happen, you know, and then and then to be, you know, watching all of these women succeed and succeed in a way that also, you know, they're not like they're not putting themselves up on pedestals. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much giving back. Right. Right now. And it's just amazing. Like your book, Dina's book, Shalane's cookbook. I yeah. make all the recipes. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's great. And it, but what's really great about that is like it shows you that they're the same. Like I'm doing the same things on a different level. But, you know, you're the same type of people that are working, you know, and, and dreaming big and doing all this. And we're all part of this one great community and it's lifting us all up yeah for sure I mean that's probably like what we all agree is the beauty of running is that if you put on a shoes and go for a run then you can relate to the Shalanes of the world and the Desis of the world and the whoever's of the world right like we all go we all feel out of shape we all work our way into shape we all feel tired we all have elation we all have all of these things and that's the beauty of running because you can be a fan of other sports, but you're just watching it. Yeah. And running, you can go out there and feel it. And it's just, it's just so cool. Which means you get to feel the failures and the doubts. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. The for fears sure, right? Too, you get which to feel really all of the emotions of it. You get like when you see someone that you look up to not hit what they wanted, you know, you actually know what that feels like. You're not like, oh man, I, for sure, I know what it feels like to go to the Super Bowl and lose. You know, yeah. like you know what it's like to have this massive goal and not hit it. And then you see them and you're like, oh, I feel that in my gut. Like I know what they're going through. So, but that's why the community is so strong because you know what that feels like. Yeah. Good days and bad. Yeah. And I think like 
everybody like that that I know anyway wants that fuck yeah moment like after yeah. after New York and I was running New York that year and it was just like so amazing to see that and to see the culmination of her all the work she put into that and I think we all like want that we yes. you know and it was so exciting yeah it was it was mind-blowing actually <laughs> it was amazing do you feel ownership over the fact that this wave is happening because you have to believe that you st- you paved the way in some ways. Uh, I don't know. I think that, you know, Joni was a huge inspiration for all of us. For me personally, Lynn Jennings was a huge inspiration. Um, and then, you know, really it was a lot of it was on Dina's shoulders for so long. We just had this one star and we just looked to Dina to do everything like, <laughs> you know, be good at the 10K, win, win World Cross, like also get a medal in the Olympics. Like it was just this <laughs> one person that we were just like putting it all on. And then I felt like there was kind of this generation of a few people really wanting it, like myself and Shalane, I would say. And then Desi came into it. But I'm a little bit older than them. So I just feel like I kind of rode that way for a little bit. But then I kind of aged out before we really <laughs> hit the hit the top. So I don't I don't feel like I would say the big people for me would be like Joni, Lynn Jennings, Dina, and then now to Shalane and Desi who have really really made it happen one of your legacies though in in my opinion though is your willingness to wear your emotion on your sleeve because and and i think certain brands also get credit for bringing the ability to that kind of storytelling into the sport wazelle being a great example because nike just like liked their robotic athletes who could fit a certain mold right that would tell very prescriptive stories based on what they wanted to tell but you were someone who didn't fit that mold and you got a lot of criticism for being willing to cry at a finish line and so I think you did a lot to open up the dialogue to being vulnerable well thanks I used to try I mean I'm just an emotional person the highs are highs and the lows are really really low and talk to my husband it's not always fun (laughs) being around me because I just feel things and when I was younger and first really broke out onto the scene you know, I was like told you need to manage this. You know, you got to like keep it together, make sure get to the hotel room before you cry. And honestly, I kind of credit Boston 2009 because I just started crying. And everyone around me is like, shh, 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 you know, like, <laughs> everyone's watching you. You know, it's just, that just made me cry even harder. And that's the first time I had blowback of being called a crybaby or whatever. But after that, I was like, oh, that's the worst that happened. Like a bunch <laughs> of trolls called me a crybaby. Like, who cares? Like, I just am who I am. And a lot of us, we just are who we are. And especially in the marathon, I just feel like when you get to the end of a marathon, whether it's going well or going horrible, there is so much physical and emotional space that's gone into that. I've had good marathons where I cry and bad marathons where I cry because it's just like you're so fatigued. Yeah. <laughs> Emotionally and mentally, there's just nothing left. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, it just like doesn't matter. And I feel like I've seen that in so many people at all levels of the sport. Like it's just such an emotional journey and you just have, there's just nothing in the tank and you're just, you cry. Yeah. yeah. Tears of joy sometimes. Yeah, one, sometimes one person you're excited. Asked, and I think this is an important question because a lot of times we linger way too long on our failures and don't spend time celebrating those successes, we, we tend to r- run past those quickly on to the next. So how have you learned to celebrate your achievements? 
You know, I think when I was in like the thick of my career, I didn't really celebrate my achievements because it was always like, well, now what? Now what? Now what? You're always like trying to be faster and better and finish higher. I think, you know, when my son asks about my career and now like talking about it more, I'm like, wow, I mean, like I was pretty good. So (laughs) I think like just being older, I can appreciate it more. And I mean, I'm not kidding. Last week is the first time I've ever put my medal out from the world championships in our house. My husband like put out some awards in our office and I was like, I should go get that. (laughs) So pull it um, out of the box. Yeah. I was like, it's time to like pat myself on the back a little bit. So I, I do wish that I had, given myself more credit along the way and that's what I would tell younger runners now is like savor those moments because they are few and far between and they they can hold you for years but you know savor those don't always just go off the next day and start writing down your next list of goals like you've worked so hard for that I wish I had take press pause a few more times throughout my career I was just talking to Ryan Hall about his book coming out and he he talked about this about having monuments for your victories he talked about how he would take his shoes off and his singlet, not wash them, not even untie his laces, and then put it up at his house as a monument to a big result. And he still has, <laughs> he says, dirty singlets in his closet from his big races. And I thought, that's so weird. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Ryan, that's also kind of cool. Yeah. Because then you can see that and then reflect on that moment. Yeah. And maybe for you, it's not your singlet. Like, I'm not like a. <laughs> I don't save a lot of stuff like that, but for me, you know, a picture can bring me so much emotion. So I wish I would have like hung some pictures up and just like appreciated, just like he did some little reminder that like there was a goal that was achieved and we don't have to like live our whole life and talk about it forever. Oh, remember that one time when I won a silver medal, (laughs) but it's okay to be like, that was a big moment and that was a big achievement and I'm proud of that. And I wish I had just, hit pause for just a few days after some of those because typically I was up all night and the next morning talking to my coach about the next adventure instead of just taking a week and being like wow that was fun (laughs) you know celebrate yeah Yeah. one question I got a couple different ways and I think this is relevant not just in aging but also even for those that may have a goal that's that they just can't get at some point you know, for you, is you wanted to win Boston. You didn't get it. How do you move past those unachieved goals and then find new horizons? I mean, honestly, I thought I could never be happy until I won Boston. I was really, really obsessed with that race. And when I, when I faltered in 09, all I did was think about it. The whole time I was pregnant with Colt, all I thought about was, like, coming back and riding that wrong. And then when Colt was six months old, I ran it and got fifth. And then I went back again two years after that, and I think I got sixth. So... I just felt like I had an obsession with it and I finally had to kind of be like, this does not define me if I win this race or not. I actually don't have any control of winning this race. All I can do is show up and run my best race and maybe someday that'll be good enough, but it might never be good enough. And does that mean that, does that mean that all of this has not been worth it just because I'm not Boston Marathon champion? I mean... I don't think so. I think it's still been worth it. I think I've still accomplished great things and pushed myself forward. So I think it could just comes with time because if you would have asked me that 10 years ago, I would say, no, my, my career will not be complete until I'm Boston marathon champion. 
And now I'm like, ah, good job, Desi. Finally, someone did it. You know, <laughs> she did it for us all. Yeah. For us all. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Chalene and Des. Any final questions, Jean, before we wrap this up? I wanted to touch really briefly on your um, workshop or retreat that you had for young girls, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like it's so important. I just read an article about how girls come out of school, like high school. And in and college, less confident than men do, and it was talking about this um, need for them to be perfect, mm-hmm. and that actually takes confidence away from them and makes them feel more anxious. And I feel that happens in running a lot. You want to perfect the workout, you want to nail it or whatever. And I think women have a tendency to to be in that mindset. And and it's it it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm wondering, like, did you learn anything from from having this workshop with the girls? And did you talk about these things? And oh, yeah. We talked a lot about that stuff. So I had a very loving childhood, very loving parents, super supportive community coach, everything. But I have massive anxiety and the need to be perfect and the the anxiety about like not being perfect and not running the times I had said not getting straight A's and you know and so I would say what you just said is like summed me up I left high school so unconfident I mean I just had no self-esteem even though I had won all these state titles and I had a really good GPA and I was like you know popular in school and so I have always wanted to go back and speak to girls about the things that ate me up when I was younger And so that's really what the camp was about. Um, We talked a lot about, we talked about injury prevention. We touched on nutrition because more of the side of like, please make sure you eat enough. Um, And then we, we talked about like not comparing yourself to other people. Like social media is a whole nother thing, right? Because I didn't have that when I was younger, but we touched on that a little bit. But then we just talked a lot about trying to please, feeling like you're not enough. And we worked through the book a little bit, too. And I kind of just wanted them to leave. I wish that someone, when I was in high school, I got my period and I got bigger and I slowed down and it was like devastating. And I felt like it was my fault. And I felt like I was a failure because I wasn't willing to like not eat. And I had gained this weight. And I wish someone had been like, oh, no, 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 you're actually supposed to be like that. Don't worry. It's all going to work out. Don't worry. You know, like, yeah, we all go through this is totally normal and it's totally normal to be nervous. And these are the things, you know, like, trust me, someday you're going to look back and be like, wow, what was I so worried about? You know, but no one did that. And so instead it was just like in my headspace that like I was failing and I was, you know, whatever. And so I had always dreamt of kind of kind of interrupting that cycle for high school girls so that's really what the theme of the weekend was was like letting them know that they're enough as they are and just always focusing on the positives in themselves and yeah it was really for me it was really fulfilling and the first one is always a little like ah, I don't know how that went but the feedback has been good and my hope is to like travel it around the country because I just wish I had and like I said I had a great childhood and everything but I wish I had had someone who had been there as a runner and as a female be able to say like you're you're doing fine trust me this is what's you this is what happens you have there's always bumps in the road and you're gonna get you're gonna be okay you just got to keep going lean on your friends but there wasn't anyone 
to say yeah that. yeah I never had that either yeah and so I think it's so awesome that you're you're doing that and, and giving that guidance Thank and it's you. really great thanks in the book you say erase from your mind that prep must be perfect I think it's also true erase from your mind that you must be perfect yeah 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 I think I mean I think just like you were saying it's a trap a lot of people fall into especially females is like I have to be doing perfect in school and perfect with my friends and perfect with my athletics and perfect with other extracurricular activities. And it makes you may have a successful test result or a successful race, but it wasn't perfect. And then just what you said, you start to lose confidence in yourself, even though you're crushing life, you know, and I just think we need to take a step back and stop holding ourselves, especially as young girls and women like that to such impossible standards. And I mean, honestly, I think my biggest theme of the weekend or the day was like, if you're doing your best, there is literally nothing more that you can do. That is enough. Your best is enough. That's a good message for all of us. So yeah. We'll leave it at that. Thank you, Kara, for taking the time and for your book. Definitely encourage everybody to go out and get strong and put the, the tips in there to practice. So thank you. Yeah, thanks. This has been awesome. Thanks yeah, for thank coming you out so and visiting. I can't wait to hear what you do next. Thank you. It's going to be great. She's going to crush. <laughs> so there you go. That was my discussion with Sheena and Kara. Really, really powerful and really fun for me to be a part of. Again, I appreciate Jean's willingness to open up and share some of the challenges that she faced after that bad race at CIM. I appreciate Kara's willingness to not only have us come come see her in Boulder and spend the time with us, but also just her willingness to, to be so real and open up about some of her struggles as well. Really, really fun discussion. And hopefully you all learned something. Definitely go get Kara's book strong a runner's guide to boosting confidence and becoming the best version of you. Check it out. You can buy it on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. The last thing, and before I close this episode out, I did want to mention I got to, when I was in Boulder, interview Adam Goucher as well, Kara's husband, or Mr. Kara Goucher, as he sometimes calls himself. got to talk to him about the book Running with the Buffaloes, the, the cult classic book by Chris Lear about Adam's senior season at the University of Colorado and his pursuit to get the NCAA cross-country title. A really, really good book. I would encourage you to check it out. I'm going to be posting my interview with Adam by March 9th, on Sunday, March 9th. And so if you have a chance to go read Running with the Buffaloes before March 9th, I would encourage you to do that. I think you'll get more out of our discussion. But even if you don't, I think it'll still be a good discussion because what we're going to be doing with Adam is pulling some of the training insights from that book. And I also, of course, appreciate Adam's time and his willingness to take to take time as well he's he's like Kara also just willing to be real and keep it real and that's what we did with his discussion on running with the buffaloes so check out that book if you'd like to again I'll be posting that episode on March 9th so there you go that's it this has been episode 113 of the running rogue podcast as always you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram Twitter or Facebook at rogue running until next time we'll talk to you soon